0: Go for it. Anyway, good morning. Is that better? How are you? I'd love to say, turn to the person next to you and give each other a big hug. And... You can, uh, it's all right. Yeah, you can. Do you know what? Um, Actually, do you know what? I'm going to say this in all genuineness because um, somebody uh, said to me this. Well, actually, I've had quite a few of you say it to me. And, and, and if you're a tactile person like me, you, you're feeling the pain of this, all right? Um, but here's what I just said to somebody when they were like, oh, what's this all about? Actually, it's not about us. It's about being responsible for the people that actually aren't in, aren't part of our community yet, yeah people that may be coming in for the first time. Just a heads up, that is actually what church exists for. (laughs) Just wanted to throw that one in there. We don't exist for ourselves, we exist for those that aren't actually here yet. And so that's why it's important Um, And and we're the same back in Folkestone and I'm kind of glad I'm not there this morning because I just want to hug the world. But the deal is that actually um, what we want to do is create a safe environment. We don't want people saying I'm scared to go there because they're going to shake my hand. So, so Gareth stands on the door at our church, and he says, if I shake everyone's hand, that's 100 hands, and, or plus, 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 actually. And, and he just said, you know, that, what message is that sending out? So we're not doing this for ourselves. Listen, I'm still going to hug people as and when, if that's appropriate. But in terms of our welcoming environment, um, is that helping anyone this morning? We're not saying, oh, let's get crazy and all paranoid about this. But what we want to do is we want to be leaders in our community, I I fundamentally believe that's what the church of God should be, leaders in our community. And so there's no time like now where we need to rise up and say, come on, we're going to be that. And um, and we're just going to say, God, help us to set the tone, to set the language in the way we speak, in the way we care for one another. Um, And and so let's not shrink back from this moment in time that is unprecedented for all of us. Like, I'm hating it as much as you are, but may God help us. Um, I'm already really just, I'm just going to speak from my heart this morning. Is that all right? Is that okay? Thank you. Um, oh, look, I didn't expect a round of applause for that. I, I've, I've, so, on Monday, I knew what I was going to come here and preach about. And then every day of this week, I'm just like, that just doesn't feel like a, an appropriate message for where we're at right now, not just for you as TWCF, but for where we're at right now as a nation. And so, I've been really just agonizing, really, with God, saying, God, what do I share? Um, I want to bring an appropriate now word for us, and, and even during the worship, I'm going. God, I could just go anywhere with this, so I'm not quite sure what's going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> like I have prepared. Don't don't think I'm being lazy here. We're not talking that. I'm just I just want to be led by the Holy Spirit this morning, and um, and so I'm just gonna just gonna trust Him on that. I want to tell you this: the the, the last time I was here, which was in November, um, who, who was here just last time? Okay, that's quite a lot of you. Do you remember how I ended the service? I'm going to remind you in case you didn't, I sat here on this stage, do you remember? And uh, my Kezia was in the room, and I got Kez to come and she sat right here, do you remember? And I wrapped my arms around her and held her so tight, and my message to you was, your dad is holding you so tight, like your dad's got you. Do you remember that? The message hasn't changed, friends. Your dad's got you. Come on, that needs to land somewhere this morning your dad's got you. I, I've been reading Leviticus. Not, not by choice. Well, as in, it's part of my reading plan, you know. Um, it's not an easy one, is it? I mean, I've read some of it fast. <laughs> <Pretty inspiring. laughs> yeah, right. but, but you know what I got out of it this time as I've been reading Leviticus? I've just paused and gone, God, you really care about your people. Like I just saw it in a whole fresh light. And probably because I've been reading it in the last two weeks, where, like, you know, I mean, I'm just struggling to even watch the news at the minute. So if you're a bit like me, you know, I'm not saying let's not be aware of what's going on. Of course, we have to be. But, but listen, let's read our Bible more than we're watching the news. Yeah, let's just allow faith to rise within us. My life is built on the word of God, not on what the BBC are telling me. And so, you know, so I, I'm just telling you this. But as I've been reading Leviticus, the thing that has just struck me and at times moved me to tears has been, God, you really care about your people. Like, he cares about our hygiene. It's all there in Leviticus. You know? I'm reading the bit about how, you know, and often we read it going, oh, God was a bit harsh. You know, he sent them out of the camp if they'd got this, that, and the other. And, and, and you know, I mean, I was reading about how a woman should be after she'd given birth. And I'm like, flip, I'm glad I didn't have that treatment. And then I thought, actually, maybe I'd have liked that treatment. Like maybe 40 days outside of the camp to rest might have actually been the best thing for me rather than day two out of hospital back into work. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and there's a lot of, there's a, just so much care that we read in the book of Leviticus. This morning, I've jumped into Numbers, um, which is another well, the first part of it's a bit tricky, isn't it? Because it's just list upon list upon list. So I'm doing a lot of, let's scroll <laughs> a lot of these lists. But do you know what the first chapter says? This isn't my notes at all. I'm just talking, all right? Is that like, okay, God, can you slow that clock down? Um, numbers begins like this. Moses was in the presence of God, and God gave him instructions. If we want wisdom right now, we need to get into the presence of God. Yeah. If we want to hear, I don't know about you, but... but but I need wisdom right now, in every sphere of my life, and you do too. Can I challenge you as a church to pray for your leadership team? Yeah, appreciate that Stuart and Judith are, are away at the moment. There's a lot resting on your leadership team, and um, I don't really know them that well. But I'm asking you to pray for them, because um, you know they're, they're having to just maybe make some decisions. You know, I guess the trustees included in that, I don't know quite how the setup is here now, but I'm just asking you to pray for those that need to make decisions. And, and let's be really mindful of them. Um, I'd ask you to pray for me and Gareth. It's the same thing. Like, we've had quite a tough week just agonizing over a lot of this stuff. I see that you've stolen my notice that went up at Harbour, which is pretty good. That's great. You haven't stolen it at all. Let's just share what we've got, you know. But, but you know, Gareth's going to be addressing our church this morning with similar things. So what I'm saying is let's just be together in this. Let's just pray for one another. Let's believe that God will give us wisdom as we're in his presence. So, so let's not get our wisdom from the government. Let's get our wisdom from God. Amen. And hear what I'm saying there, not what I'm not saying. I say that a lot. Listen, be wise, but ultimately I want to be like Moses who's in the presence of God. And here's what God is saying. So does that, does that rest with you this morning? Is that something that I can just share? Um, we're, we're in, the, and I'm going to try and do some of my notes now and we'll just see <laughs> what happens. Um, and I'm really conscious that I've got to leave the building quite soon, haven't I? Because I've got to get down to Broadmead, which is great. I'm looking forward to that. But I know that I have a tendency for stories. So please, Father, help me not to tell too many stories. Um, you, you will know our Folkestone story and the, that we are now in this amazing big Anglican building. And, and, and it's fantastic, an incredible resource. The roof is being fixed, nearly finished. The scaffolding should come down in the next week or two. And so, so we've got this fantastic space. And if you ever want to come and visit us, we would love you to do that. Seriously, um, that would just be great. Um, but, but what's quite funny is that I'm noticing I'm becoming a bit Anglican. I am noticing it. So, like, I say the grace a lot. But, you know, it's beautiful. So, actually, a lot now. Most of our prayer meetings, most of our Sunday mornings, I'm like, come on, let's just say the grace together. And I feel this mantle of of the Anglican spirit coming upon me. Um, I find myself praying with people, the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you now forevermore. I just find myself saying this stuff. and, And I'm just, but I'm welcoming it. I'm welcoming the journey that I'm on, and and sometimes people laugh at me and go, Sarah, what's happened to you? But I just think there's so much richness. Do you know one of the things that as generally as Pentecostal churches we're not very good at is saying the Lord's Prayer together? Um, I'd like us to do that right now. Is that okay? And uh, immediately some of you are like, oh, flip, do I even remember it? (laughs) If you want to look it up. (laughs) Um, Yeah. We've got a young lad in our youth group, his name's Jack, and um, Jack goes to an Anglican school, and, and he just loves the Lord's Prayer. And, uh, and Jack doesn't have the easiest life, really, and, and yet whenever we meet together as a youth, uh, we have a like, youth connect group. If he's there, he'll always say, Sarah, can we say the Lord's Prayer? And, and he often loses the thread Two lines in, you know, but, but you know what? His heart is just like, this prayer is beautiful. I'd like us to say it together because this morning I want to just focus on your kingdom come. Your will be done. If you say sin or trespass or um, debt or, listen, it doesn't matter, okay? Yours, thine, say it how you want to say it. But can we together in this place pray the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This could be a sermon in itself in that there's so much about the Lord's Prayer that I love and I would just love to unpack. I, I can't help myself but just pause on the Our Father. Aren't you just so glad that when Jesus says this is how you should pray, he just says you come to your father, you come to your dad. It's back to what I was just saying. Wh- whom the Bible says nothing can separate us from his love. I tell you what, his, his love, nothing. Perfect love casts out all fear. Nothing can separate us from his love. We come to a father. In January we um, took three weeks as a church and we had three weeks of prayer and our focus was your kingdom come, your will be done. And we broke it down over the three weeks to God may your kingdom come in me as an individual. God may your kingdom come, the second week was in us as a church and our third week was God may your kingdom come in our community, in our town. And so during these three weeks, um, I, I, I preached each week and I was just intently studying and looking at this whole subject of the kingdom of God you know it's the kind of thing that we throw around the kingdom of God but what does it actually mean I don't have time this morning to take my three weeks message and try and squeeze them into the next 20 minutes but there's two things I want to bring to you this morning that I pray will help us in the context of our current situation and the first thing is this that when we pray your kingdom come I want to declare my first thing is this, is that the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Jesus the King. It's not a place. It's not even a church. As the church, we are part of the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is not the church. The kingdom of God is not something we can touch and see. It's not, it's not a place that we can go to. It's not visible in that sense. The kingdom of God in its best description is the presence of the king. Where the king is, that is the kingdom of God. It's why Jesus' first words when he arrives on the planet, when he begins his ministry, is the kingdom of God is near. Why was he able to say that? Because the king had arrived. So he's able to walk into a room and his first thing, you read it in Matthew 5, is the king is here. The kingdom of God is among you because the king is here. Today, I want to remind us, in this current place we find ourselves in, that we have a king who is a higher authority than any earthly ruler, that he is supreme, he is on the throne. Are you hearing me today? that Jesus Christ reigns in truth and justice and peace and righteousness, that there is no panic going on in heaven right now over loo rolls, that there is no crisis going on in heaven. But Jesus Christ is the king. However, I want to suggest to you this morning that although we acknowledge that the kingdom of God is about the king, it is also completely about our surrender to the king. It, it all depends, this whole kingdom of God is about, I can declare he's the king, but am I willing to make myself subject to the king? But if I'm allowed to make, if I make myself subject to the king, I come under his authority, his rule, his reign, he is supreme in my life. What he says is what goes, not what you say. You can say what you like about me, but what he says is the ultimate authority. He is supreme, he reigns over all. I'd love us to watch a a video because this will just inspire faith here this morning. Um, Some of you will have seen this before. It's not new at all. Let's let faith rise in the place this morning as we remember who King Jesus is. Thanks, guys, if that's
1: okay. He guards and he guides, he heals the sick the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And He beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know Him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well. Life is massless, his goodness is limitless, his mercy is everlasting, his love never changes, his word is enough, his grace is sufficient, his reign is righteous, and his yoke is easy, and his burden is lighter. I wish I could describe him, for yet he's indescribable, he's incomprehensible, he's invincible, he's well, you can't get him out of your mind. You see, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him.
0: Hey, has that done you good this morning? (laughs) So here's what I wanted to say on this. During these days, these weeks, let's be a community of believers that keep our eye on the King. Let's worship the King. If you want to go home and YouTube that, just YouTube That's My King. Do all that you can to focus on the King because I want to tell you this morning, the King is on the throne. He 's the King of all kings, he's the Lord of all Lords I 'm not going to try and copy what that guy's just said, but Jesus Christ is King, and he always will be He 's the King of the kingdom. The second thing that I want to bring out this morning is this: is that the kingdom of God dwells in us. i'm going to say that again: The kingdom of God dwells in us. Amen. and I tell you how I know that because the Bible tells me that Christ lives here. I want to read you some scriptures. Um, For ease, I just put them on my phone, so just bear with me while I figure this out. I'm really not technical at all. Why is it not working? Come on, phone. Oh, isn't it typical? It's not pressing. Something's not right. Okay. Okay, I'm going to read... I'm going to read just one. For some reason, my phone's not working right. Okay, this is what it says in Romans 8, verse 10. And Christ lives in you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Let me try. I really don't know what's wrong with my phone. No, it's it's just my photos. It's not. There's something got wrong with my phone. Come on. Here we go. Let's read another one. Ephesians 3, 17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Let's see if I can get another one come up as I just zoom in here. Here we go. Paul says this in Galatians 2, 20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I'm going to pause there. I've got about six, but but it's just not going to work. Here's the thing. The kingdom of God is within us. Why? Because the king lives here. Would you just say that to yourself? The king lives here. I, I think for most of us, that revelation hasn't quite dropped from our head to our hearts yet, but the king lives here. And in the few moments I've got this morning, I just want to just drop some things into our hearts to remind us what the kingdom of God within us should look like. Because here's the challenge. If the king lives within me, what does that look like? Romans 14, 17, Paul says these words. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Some of you are like, oh, that's a shame. Um, it's, It's not a matter of eating or drinking. But it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let me remind you, in case you don't know, the context that Paul is writing into here. He's actually writing to the church saying, stop arguing about all the laws, about what you should and shouldn't eat. Hence why he's saying the kingdom of God is not about what you eat or drink. Because the church in that particular moment were, were getting so legalistic about, should we eat meat? Should we eat vegetables? What should we do? And there's all this arguing going on. Do you know those same arguments, it might not be about food, but those same legalistic arguments are within the church, right? Right? It's not just in Folkestone, they're all over. The same legalistic arguments that cause such division and divide us all, they they, they just bring so much trouble. And actually Paul's writing into that context and he says, you've got it all wrong. The kingdom of God is not about your list of rules. It's not about legalism. It's about grace. It's about this wonderful relationship with Jesus Christ where his righteousness becomes our righteousness. He says it's about peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not a list of rules. I want to say to you this morning, the kingdom of God is your state of being. The kingdom of God, Christ the King living within you is about your state of being. I want to just track you through Matthew for a moment. See, Matthew in chapter 4, as Matthew's recording the life of Jesus And Matthew talks a lot about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And and I've already said that Jesus' first statement that Matthew records is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is here. That launches Jesus straight into this sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. You can look it up. And we see this incredible teaching of Jesus. And if you've been in church for a while, you'll know that that first part in Matthew 5, does anyone want to tell me what we call it? The Beatitudes, because the thing Jesus wants to say right from the start is, I'm going to tell you what the kingdom of God is. And the kingdom of God is not the do-attitudes. The kingdom of God is the be-attitudes. The kingdom of God is about your state of being. And in this wonderful teaching that Jesus brings through these chapters, Jesus begins to literally turn their thinking upside down. He comes right in and he says, I'm going to tell you what the kingdom of God looks like. And it doesn't look like what you think it should do. He smashes all their legalistic rules to pieces. He says, I'm going to show you a better way. I'm going to show you what the kingdom looks like, where Jesus is king and he rules and reigns. And he starts saying, you're blessed when you move out of a place of peace. You're blessed when you show mercy. You're blessed when your posture is one of justice. You're blessed. You're blessed. And and so we read those Beatitudes. And Jesus is saying this the kingdom of God manifest within you and with I, within me, is about our state of being. Jesus is more concerned with who you are. He's more concerned with your heart. He's more concerned with your state of being than your state of doing. After Jesus talks about the condition of your heart, he then, after he talks about the, the Beatitudes, If you've got your Bible, you might want to have a little look. But if you look through Matthew 5, 6 and 7, you can either read it as a rule book. I mean, there's some pretty harsh stuff in there. You might just want to have a little look. It's not easy teaching. Do you want me just to give you the headings? Jesus teaches about anger. Jesus teaches about adultery. He teaches about divorce. He teaches about vows. He teaches about revenge. He teaches about love for your enemies. He teaches about giving to the needy teaches about prayer and fasting. He teaches about money and possessions. He teaches about not judging others. He teaches about prayer. And so it goes on. And he finishes with this wonderful parable of the wise and foolish builders. If you build your life on me and my words, you'll remain strong. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, I'm more concerned with you. I'm more concerned with you. All of his teaching wasn't this is the tick box for the kingdom of God. He's saying, I want your heart. I want your heart. Quick story, if I've got time. Literally, this time last year, March, this weekend, as a family, we were due to fly to Spain. We wouldn't get there now, would we? Um, and, and this is why it was on my mind this morning, knowing that you can't get into Spain now. And literally, this time last year, we we had some friends that were in Spain, and we were on a sabbatical as well. So our plan was that we were going to go on the plane with the kids, and we were going to go out and visit this family. And um, We got to the airport, checked in early. It was about five in the morning. And I'll try and tell this as quick as I can, but Gareth went through fine. The girls went through with their passports fine. And it came to me. I handed my passport over, and the lady looked at me, and she just said, I'm sorry, Mrs. Webber, your passport is damaged. You can't fly. So I just laughed, because what else do you do when somebody says that to you? So I just went, what do you mean it's damaged? And she showed me on the page. And lo and behold, on the page... Um, uh, so, so where your photo is and you've got all the numbers and everything, all the the important page, there was a tiny tear. Uh, and so there was a tiny, tiny little bit of the page that was missing. So, so I'm just looking at her and going, well, why does that matter? Like, it didn't, didn't ruin anything. It did, I'm just like, I don't even know how it happened, so my brain's just going all over the place. So I'm beginning to argue gently with her. <laughs> I'm quite a soft person, so I'm just gently going, but I could feel like, oh... Uh, And the girls are standing next to me with tears in their eyes. It it just was like a moment. It was a real moment. The long and short of it is, they they were absolutely, you're not flying. Your passport is damaged. You're not flying. Um, I then, uh, with a little bit more fight in me, (laughs) went to the information desk. And and for about 45 minutes, I'm chatting to the lady. She's going through all the different options with me. Can we get you up to the embassy? Can we get you a new passport? Yeah, we could do that. So she's on the phone to them. We could get you an appointment today. And So we could get you on a flight tomorrow. I said, great, let's do that. We'll just get on a flight tomorrow. Great, that's going to cost you £1,000. So at that point I just go, Okay, I I really like our friends in Spain, but not that much (laughs) don't send this to don't put it online no (laughs) I was just like no and and so as the realization dawned upon all of us that we weren't going to be getting on that plane to Spain we we very you know sort of somberly took ourselves off to a little cafe in Gatwick airport and sat there and just just kind of taken in what had just happened that we weren't allowed to fly because my passport was damaged and had to FaceTime these friends and say we can't come and and it it wasn't our finest hour that's what I'm trying to say it really wasn't Um, during the next 24 hours because I I don't get over things easily. Uh, that's just my personality. And, and, and so I spend a lot of time thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. And so where's Gareth? He's just like, it's done. Forget it. Do you know what I mean? It's interesting. You see your personalities in those kind of moments. And um, and even out of my children, um, my oldest daughter, she seemed to cope with it much better than my youngest one. So it's just, just interesting how you just observe how people react to things. And so I'm literally just like going over and over. And Gareth's like, shut up. we like, forget it. It's done. And, and I'm just going over and over and over. What could have done? Why it all went wrong? And, 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 and as I began, I often just chat to God about this kind of stuff it's a good thing to do just chat to God about all the stuff yeah and I'm going God and, and because I'm a preacher I'm like God is there a message in this <laughs> and because God's so kind to me he actually just slammed it right on me because God does that you know and he said to me Sarah if you don't get your heart right you won't reach your destination if you don't deal with the issues of your heart they're going to be a blockage to you and do you know what almost was the worst thing for me he then said this but they won't just be a blockage to you. They'll be a blockage to everyone around you because the condition of my heart isn't just about me, it's about others. The issues of your heart matter. When Jesus arrives as the king, he says the kingdom of God looks like this and it looks like getting your heart right. I'm going to challenge you, church. Let's be a people that live with clean hands and a pure heart. People say, God help us. You know, we can be obsessed with getting our hands clean at the minute. God, create within me a clean heart. The thing I want to bring us onto now as I draw this to a close is Paul's words. Paul's words. It's been a verse that I've seen so much this week and I'm glad I've seen it. If you've got your Bible, you might want to turn to it and it's 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. Some of you will know this. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. Give me a yes when you've got it. (laughs) When you've got it on your phone. Do you know what? I'm just going to read. I'm just going to quote it. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. What's Paul saying? I think he's saying exactly the same as Jesus. The kingdom of God is about your state of being. It's not about what you're doing, it's about your state of being. All you're doing is important. You see, your doing is important. No sooner had Jesus finished the teaching on the Sermon of the Mount, when we read literally, he launches straight into this powerful ministry of healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. He He was doing the work of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, there is work within the kingdom of God, but it must always flow out of the condition of our heart and the state of our being. And then as you move on through Matthew, you see that Jesus then says to his disciples, now you go, you've got a work to do. This is this is it totally impacts our doing, but the kingdom of God, the king living in us, must affect who we are as individuals. And so Paul is saying these words. The kingdom of God, he's saying to Timothy, looks like this. It looks like love, it looks like power, and it looks like a sound mind. Isn't that what we need today? We need to be responding to what's happening around us with the love of the Father the spirit of the kingdom of God is manifest in the way we love one another. Let's not draw back from one another right now. Let's love all the more. And if like me, you think, how can I love without hugging somebody? Try and be creative and come up with different ways. God, help us to love even more. Help us to care even more. Do you know, just this week, um, with just some folk in our church, some of our older folk, I'm, I'm, I'm aware that, like, I'm so good at texting, and I felt the Lord say to me as I went to text somebody in our church that I knew was poorly, I felt Him say to me, "Stop texting and ring them." And so I did. And, and, and but you know what? That costs me some time. It's quicker to text, but I think, guys, we've got to get better at. And I'm going to actually pick up the phone and talk to somebody because the kingdom of God—what does it look like? It looks like love. It looks like love. Let's be caring. Let's not shrink back from one another. The kingdom of God, Paul says, looks like power. Oh, how we need the power of God in our midst right now. Can I urge you, church, to be praying? Let's be praying more than we've ever prayed. We need the power of God at work in our lives. The kingdom of God also looks like a sound mind. God, renew my mind. God, may I be in line with what you're saying. How's my mind going to be renewed by the word of God? God, renew my mind. I want to live with a sound mind. Do you know what I mean? Paul's teaching in all of his letters, Paul is always describing the kingdom of God. He might not always use those words, but Paul spends his whole time in his letters saying, This is the difference between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. In Galatians, he, he, he talks and he describes the kingdom of God. This is the fruit of that, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. What's all that? Is your state of being. But he contrasts that with the kingdom of darkness. If you want to look it up, Galatians 5, you see it all there. And Paul is saying, there is a difference. And I'm here this morning in these last few minutes to say, if we are children of the kingdom of God, if the king lives here, we should be living differently. And that's the the message I want to leave us with this morning. We should look differently because the king lives here. And Paul says to Timothy, don't live under a spirit of fear because a spirit of fear is in the kingdom of darkness. And the Bible tells me that in the kingdom of God, there is love, there is joy, there is peace. How is this possible? It's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. Left to my own devices, I find myself slipping back. Into the the struggle that the kingdom of darkness, the enemy, Satan, wants to put over me. But as I live in the power of the Holy Spirit, he enables me to live the power of his kingdom. And Paul is saying these words time and time again. There's a choice to make here. We need to choose who we're going to subject ourselves to. Is it going to be the king or is it going to be Satan? Who are we going to align ourselves with? What words are we going to speak? How are we going to choose to live our lives? Because the kingdom of God is not about fear. But the kingdom of God is about love power, and a sound mind. As I wrap up this morning, I want to read a couple of scriptures. Is that okay? I want to read from Romans. I felt during the worship that I just wanted to read this. You might just want to close your eyes and just let the truth of these words just envelop you right now. This is God's word, not Sarah's word. This is what it says. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced, I'm going to pray right now before I finish this. Father, I pray not just for Tunbridge Wells Church, I pray it for our church in Folkestone, but I pray it for this whole nation, God, that we as your ambassadors, as your carriers of your kingdom, That we would be a people who live with 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 the language of I am convinced. For I know, for surely, that we wouldn't be a people of maybes and ifs and buts. But we would be a people who have such a deep conviction of your love and your power, your work within us. That we would be a people who use the language of I am convinced. I know, I know, surely, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Death can't and life can't neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Has anyone in the room got a few of those? Come on, nothing, he says. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So here's what I want to conclude by saying. As we leave this place, let's be people who worship the king. Yeah. Let's be people who honor the king because the kingdom of God is about a king and he is still on the throne and he will continue to be on the throne. And I want to encourage you to worship him more than you've ever worshipped him, to know the king. Let's focus on him. Let's allow his word to rule and reign in our hearts. Let's be a people that are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's walk in peace. Let's walk in joy. Let's walk in righteousness. Let our state of being come from our relationship with the king who sits on the throne. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. God bless you guys.